Hey, it's Kanzano. I appreciate you making this podcast part of your day. Make sure you subscribe if you want more and leave us some feedback. Away we go. Initialize sequence. Welcome to The Baldcast, a production of John Kanzano's Baldface Truth. Had a lot of fun off the top of the show today talking about Sports Illustrated covers, your favorite cover. I'm going to ask John Wilner, our next guest, what his favorite Sports Illustrated cover was or what memories he has of that magazine. He's joining us now. You can read him at Pac12Hotline.com. Wilner, Sports Illustrated, uh, what comes to mind cover-wise? I'm dating myself, but I would say Rolando Blackman shoots down somebody who's playing for Kansas State. They had a big upset in the NCAA tournament. I think it must have been in the 80s. And I can't remember who it was, but I remember him on the cover. That plus there's a great Sidney Moncrief cover of yeah. him going in for a dunk. Those would be two that stand out to me. I think it was uh, Rolando Blackman shooting over Oregon State in that cover It might shot. be. Actually, I think it was. You might be right. That might the have been mi- like 82, 84? The, the mighty have fallen. I'm looking at it now. It was March 23rd, 1981. He shoots okay. down He shoots down Oregon State. <laughs> there it is. Look at that. No, I did not mean to offend your Beaver listeners. Yeah. I have no idea who the opponent was. They're, the listeners of this show cannot be offended. They, they're not easily offended, I should just say. Uh, Wilner, help me out with this because... I'm wrestling with it. So, you know, we watched Sports Illustrated take a hit. L.A. Times today, you know, staff went on strike. They're facing layoffs. And, you know, it, it's just sad to me that something like Sports Illustrated, the institution of it, it, is really gone. It may have died a few years ago, but it's really gone now. And, and I'm, you know, I don't know if the, it ever comes back. Like, is there any part of you that kind of laments, you know, you're in the business, I'm in the business. It's Take a look around. It's tough, whether it's sports or news, newspapers, magazines. It's tough because, you know, it, it closes the circle of how people can get their information and be informed and make good decisions about life and politics and everything else. And journalism is a vital, vital piece of a thriving community. And uh, whether it's local newspapers or national magazines, it's really uh, a shame this is happening. We'll see. You know, it's going to take a few years, I think, for the whole thing to play out. The New York Times has filed a lawsuit against uh, with the AI business. That could be, you know, that'll be something for people to watch. If New York Times wins that lawsuit, that would be very good for journalism. Yeah, very good indeed. And uh, my hope is that somebody's going to pick up Sports Illustrated and and turn it back into something palatable, but who knows? Yeah. Um, well, want to pivot into uh into college basketball for a minute then we'll get into some college football but what do you see happening in the pac 12 and and uh you know what the landscape of the health of the conference is it, is it pertains to men's basketball i don't think it's very healthy i think it's fun on a game-to-game basis because you can get it i mean there's almost anybody can beat anybody right because cal's better and i think oregon state's probably a little bit better so there's more parity but I don't know that that's good, right? I mean, if you're using the football analogy, the Pac-12 went for several years where there was lots of parity. It wasn't putting anybody in the playoff. 
but there was lots of parity. That's not really good. It's better when you have good teams, especially if your big brands are good. When UCLA is struggling and losing by 46 points at Utah, that is not good for Pac-12 basketball at a you know on the collective level. But the Pac-12 has not been very good for a long time, and that's traced to coaching. There's there's a lot of mediocre or bad coaches in the conference, and none of the schools are firing them. So that's why we're in this position, and I would imagine the conference is going to get three or four NCAA tournament bids, four if it's lucky. That's not very good either, but it's been a very poorly run basketball operation, not at the conference level, but at the school level, a lot of a lot of bad coaching. Yeah, and I think streaky too. Like Colorado's streaky. Arizona, really good players. But that but happens look- when you don't yeah. have really good teams, yeah. right? That's what I mean. The Pac-12 football is a great example. What five five teams were consistently ranked during the season, and there was not much parity. There was a lot of blowouts, not many upsets, but. It was compelling, and Pac-12 basketball to me is is not very compelling when you don't have real elite teams. Yeah, and I think uh, I think that you've got the ability to look at this conference and say, okay, this Oregon team, much different team, a couple of weeks ago, perimeter shooting team, Dana Alban kind of got them together, and then uh, and then you know here they are now trying to learn how to play with Infali Dante, why he gets in while he gets in shape and. It's a different team. What's going on with Arizona? Because, you know, here well, they, the other they, thing, though, yeah. the other thing with Oregon is they, because of their early season losses, they're not in real great position for the NCAA tournament. If they, if they take on more losses while they're trying to get Dante back in and adjust to him, they could be in position where if they don't win the Pac 12 tournament, they don't make the NCAAs. And I think they got to win their home games, including the 27th, they're hosting Arizona. At Matthew Knight Arena, that is yep. that is a that's a you know a few chances for those huge quad one wins, great wins. Yep. Th- there's one at home for Oregon. Uh, John Wilner with us, Bay Area News Group. Uh, how many how many bids from the Pac-12? How many? And Oregon State and Washington State want to know because they're going to get the money. <laughs> yeah, they are. Uh, I would go for. I would probably set the over under at three and a half. I mean, Arizona is in. I think Utah's got a real good chance, uh, unless they take some bad losses. And then I think Colorado probably, and then maybe you get one more. Some either Oregon or maybe Washington gets hot. It also depends on who wins the conference, the the tournament, and gets the automatic bid, right? The pack. This is a year where the Pac-12 wants there to be a big upset, right? Whether it's Washington or Stanford or USC, UCLA, if one of those teams gets uh, wins the conference championship, gets the automatic bid, then maybe instead of getting three or four, you get four or five total bids. I think that this season, it, I'm I'm just eager to see, does the conference have a team that can play into the Elite Eight, right? Or does Arizona do what they sometimes do when they get to the tournament? We will find out. Um, yeah, coach, I think Colorado, yeah. if, you're, if you're looking for a team that could do better in the tournament than people expect... Colorado's got a really good starting lineup, a great mix of of size and experience and skill. 
And I, I would, if I were picking right now a team to win the Pac-12 tournament, I would pick Colorado. And a team to make the Sweet 16, probably Colorado. John Wilner, Jed Fish to Washington, Brent Brennan to Arizona, Kalen DeBoer to Alabama. Let's at first take a look at the uh, picture from 20,000 feet. Nine of the 12 conference coaches from just three seasons ago are now no longer with their original schools. Is this an unusual cycle, sign of the times? What's going on with all of this? I think it's a, a little bit unusual in the, uh, the amount of turnover. Uh, but, yeah, it's crazy. Nine, new co- nine coaching changes and ten conference changes, right? you got ten schools leaving. Uh, it's, it's, you know, partly a sign of the times and, and partly, I think, some, some circumstances. Uh, unique to the Pac-12, but the bottom line is they, there were some really smart coaching hires made. Kalen DeBoer, Dan Lanning, obviously Lincoln Riley. I think Dion was a smart hire. Uh, you can name a whole Jed Fish in Arizona was a smart hire. And uh, so that helped turn the conference around, and that's the opposite of what we've seen in basketball. The head coach is so important, and I just – you know, you look and you can see clear evidence when the school is willing to shell out the money and make a smart decision with its head coach, the impact it can have. And so many times out here over the years, we have seen schools go on the cheap, schools take the easy route with the hire, and they end up with somebody bad, and it sets the program back. Should DeBoer in Alabama be worried about what's going on in the portal, or was that to be expected after Nick Saban? I think it was to be expected, but the thing is Alabama's never experienced it before. So for these fans, they're they're like, you know, uh, what's going on here? Meanwhile, everybody else has kind of undergone the same issue. That Alabama players never entered the portal because of the good ones because they wanted to play for Nick Saban. So now Alabama is – experiencing life with the masses right there they're in coach or economy with all the masses and uh, I think DeBoer will end up adding some players in the spring when the portal opens again uh, April 15th or 16th but look he's got an immense challenge and expectations that are unrealistic I mean impossible he's going to have to make in order to make Alabama fans happy He's going to have to play for the national championship basically every other year or every third year. That's going to be awfully difficult. But that's what you get when you're following the greatest coach of all time. Yeah, and I think, too, we go to Jed Fish down the, you know, as the dominoes fall to Washington and Brent Brennan to Arizona. As you evaluate what happened at those two schools, it happened rapidly. Did Washington get it right with Jed Fish? Uh, I think that's to be determined. I'm more confident that Arizona got it right with Brennan than Washington got it right with Fish. Given where the programs are, what the expectations are, what what conferences they're going to be in. So relative to circumstance at the two campuses, I think Arizona might have made a better hire. We'll see. I think Fish will win. But what is winning going to mean at Washington in the Big Ten with the expanded playoff? Every other year in the playoff, two out of every three years in the playoff, 
You know, I think if the expectation is one out of every three in the playoffs, you know, Fish Fish should be able to do that. Uh, but he's a risk, right? He's a Florida grad. Florida uh, has got a coach on the hot seat going into next season, Billy Napier. And if, if Napier gets fired, I would think Fish, uh, as long as Washington's pretty good, Fish is going to be on their short list. So Washington could be back in this position again next year. Yeah, and I think I kind of look at Brent Brennan, and I, I see – you know, a substance guy, and I think he could be at Arizona for a long time, and I kind of look at what Fish is doing. He's transient. You look at his resume. It's a little bit Dennis Erickson-like, and, you know, he's just jumped around quite a bit. Uh, but will the money and the platform be able to, you know, will it keep him happy? I just don't know, and there's always Florida looming, and Oregon fans know better than most. Willie Taggart and Mario Cristobal leave for Florida State and Miami, and Jed Fish, if he hears the the call from Gainesville, um, you know, he may pay attention to that. Is there anything Washington can do to keep him happy? Is is this an NIL equation? Is it job security? Is buyout? I mean, I don't even know if the buyouts matter anymore. Well, I don't, I don't either. And and the buyout's not very much. It's twelve billion, and I was surprised. I thought it would be at least fifteen. The fact that his first year buyout. So if he leaves in the next fifty-two weeks, fifty weeks, I think it is. If he leaves, uh, it's it's twelve million bucks. That's not very much. Dan, what's Dan Lanning's about? Twenty, twenty million. Twenty, twenty mil. Yeah, Something like that. Yeah. So the fact that Fish doesn't have a bigger buyout to me says that Washington didn't have a whole lot of leverage in the negotiations. That Washington was desperate. I don't think Fish was their first choice. I don't know. I think they tried to get Lance Leipold from Kansas, but the 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 relatively modest buyout. For what it is, tells me that that Washington didn't have a ton of leverage with him. Yeah, I, I kind of if Washington fans are nervous right now, but they're also riding a little high, feeling good about where they've been in the playoff, and and now you got Brent Brennan at Arizona. Unpack him a little bit. I think you and I were both really um, supportive of that hire, Dave Hickey. I think he got it right with, at Arizona. I do too. I think Brennan, because here's the thing about Brennan, which it makes him different, completely different from Fish. Brennan has blood ties to Arizona, right? He was a graduate assistant there under Arizona's greatest coach, Dick Tomey. His brother played for Arizona. His wife graduated from Arizona, right? That is like his dream job. Now, that doesn't mean that Brent Brennan is never going to leave Arizona. Obviously, Jonathan Smith left, left Oregon State. But it means that there's a really good chance that he's going to be there for a while, for five years, seven years, and that Arizona can get some continuity after changing coaches every three seasons, right? If you hire somebody that's got personal ties to your school, you're much less likely to lose them, especially lose them soon, right? So I think in that way, uh, Arizona did very well. And, and he, you know, Brennan knows what it's like to, to, coach at a school that doesn't have the same resources and tradition as its peers, right? San Jose State is not Boise State or Fresno State, but he was able to beat those teams. Arizona is not, well, in the, going to the Big 12, Arizona is not Utah. It's not Oklahoma State, right? And I think that Brennan will be able to, to work well in Tucson and win. John Wilner, I appreciate you. Appreciate all you do, your expertise. You have a great weekend, my friend. Thank you. Stay warm and dry up there. Yeah, no kidding. We got a lot of people now thawing out and will continue to thaw out over the weekend. 
Um, really good stuff from Wilner. I, I keep thinking about who's going to win the Big 12. Utah would be my pick next season in football. Who's going to win the Big 10? think things are lining up nicely for Oregon all of a sudden. If Jim Harbaugh leaves Michigan and Kalen DeBoer's out at Washington, um, Lincoln Riley at, at USC and Dan Lanning at Oregon have to be feeling a lot better about coming into a conference that has got some instability at the top. Is it possible the playing field in the Big Ten is a little soft all of a sudden? And Oregon's coming in with great recruiting class, some momentum. Look out. Next season's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, we'll talk NFL next right here on the BFD. All right, we've talked about the quarterbacks. We've talked about the matchups for the uh, NFL weekend. I want to talk a little bit about the uh, the wagering odds that are on the board right now. Houston Texans at the Ravens on Saturday, 135 is your kickoff. Houston is uh, plus 9.5 points, over under 43.5. Uh, Stephen, uh, you have to bet that game. How are you betting it? You know, I've been on Houston all week. I would go Houston. I actually feel like the over in Houston, like a parlay, it correlates really well together, John. Like, I don't see the Texans losing, like, 23-14. to 14. Like, I just don't see it because the Texans' defense isn't great. So I feel like if the Texans are to cover, it's because they score 20-plus points. And then Baltimore would have to score, you know, that many. It would go over the total, which is 43-and-a-half. So I actually think it's a really good correlation here, and I think uh, I would take Texans – well, I will be taking the Texans, and I'll take the over as well. So you like the Texans plus nine and a half. Yeah. And over 43 and a half. Yeah. Packers-Niners, 520 Saturday. Packers, nine and a half point underdog. Over under 50 and a half. Um, Packers on the money line, plus 350. How do you bet that one? I actually think this one's very correlated, too. If you like the Packers, it's got to be the over as well. I'm, I'm going back and forth, John. I think... Yesterday I was on the Packers. I think I'm back on the Niners today. I, I have no good feel for this one. Jordan Love, like you said, you you brought up the stats. You talked about the stats earlier in the show. You know, he's been a top been five really good. Been like a top five quarterback the last half of the season. I mean, that's not really debatable. And maybe that's real, maybe it's not. I just feel like the Packers, the youngest team in the playoffs, they got their big win in Dallas. 49ers are on a mission, man. I, I, I believe in Brock Purdy. I don't think he's the most talented quarterback, but Shanahan knows how to get him in the right spots. He's got all the help around him that he needs. Hall of Famers everywhere. I think the 49ers get it done. Right now, I would lean 49ers. I'd lay the points. I wouldn't feel good about it. I think there's a great backdoor opportunity for the Packers, the way that they can score the mm-hmm. football. But uh, I take the Niners minus 9.5. I, I'm a little worried about the Niners being rusty, but I also think there's the potential there that the Niners come out and they're just on like they have at different points of the season. I have a hard time seeing Green Bay win that game. I just think there's a big gap between San Francisco and everybody else. But it's tough for me to say 9.5. It's a lot of points for a team that hasn't played in a few weeks. What uh, what one seed do you think is more vulnerable to an upset, the Ravens or the 49ers? Ravens. I think the Texans could get them, but they're both 9.5 point. Uh, I, I think all the home teams and all the favorites are going to win. I, did, I think it's going to be really different than some of the upsets that we saw in the, the wild card round. It does seem t- very chalky. It seems very chalky this yeah. year in this round, especially. This round. Uh, and beyond that, we can have another conversation. It's all it's always matchups, but I just keep looking at it and I keep thinking, gosh, like, isn't the right play to just take all of the favorites on the money line all the way down the line and and feel feel pretty good about it. But let's talk Tampa and Detroit. Yeah. Sunday at noon, six point Detroit favorite. They're favored by six at home. Over under 49 and a half. 
What are you doing there? Now, this is uh, very, very gambly information that I know about. Dan Gamble is a really good against the spread coach um, in his career as a Detroit Lions coach, but a lot of it is when he was an underdog, right? Like the Lions mm. this year were really good. And they were expected a lot out of him, but it was when they were bad. He would cover a lot of games. This season, there was numerous games where he, you know, the Lions were big time favorites and they didn't cover. Um, you know, six points, it's a lot, I think, right now in the second round. But I do think that I would still lean the Lions in this game over the Buccaneers. I think. Tampa Bay is getting vaulted a little bit because of the win over Philadelphia, where I think Philadelphia just, they were a shell of themselves. They, they had given in. It was the 1-2-3 Cancun. They were out of it. I don't think they're a very good team at the end of the year, and Tampa Bay just put it on them uh, in the second half. I, I think I would lean Lions minus six. Again, that's this is one I don't feel good about either uh, compared to the Houston-Baltimore game, which I feel pretty solid about. But I would lean Lions, and I would lay the points. Yeah, I, th- I like the Lions, and I like the Lions to cover that. I think they can win by a touchdown and. Kansas City at Buffalo, finally, on Sunday, 3.30 is the kickoff time. Uh, Buffalo at home, two-and-a-half-point favorite. Total, 45-and-a-half. Uh, really interesting on the money line. I mean, if you like the Chiefs, they're plus 120. If you like the Bills, they're minus 150-ish. Um, what are you doing there? Every time I do this, I feel like an idiot. I, I bet against the best quarterback in the league and maybe the best head coach in the league, Patrick Mahomes, Andy Reid. And it's like, what am I doing? Like, why don't I just be smarter? But I like the Bills. I like the Bills in this one, John. And I do too. And it's all about the supporting cast. I think Patrick Mahomes, for how good he is, his receivers, his tight end and Travis Kelsey, they are not what they once were. And Travis Kelsey could have maybe a vintage Travis Kelsey game and have two or three touchdowns, and I could look like an idiot. But I don't think he has it anymore. I, I don't know that he's washed, but he doesn't have what he had you know, in the past. And the receivers besides Rasheed Rice, they're nothing. They're nothing special. So I think Buffalo's the better team. I think it being in Buffalo is a big difference. Patrick Mahomes having to go on the road in this environment. He hasn't had to do that in his career. I think that's something we forget. He's always had home playoff games, never these road ones. I like Buffalo. I like Buffalo to win and cover. Yeah, and I keep looking at Kansas City's season. Okay, so they're, I mean, obviously they've been on an incredible run, and you've watched them all year, but this is not a team that dominated this season. And, you know, you, you look up and you go, gosh, you know, 11-6, and six, that's not, you know, that's not a team that was – a typical Patrick Mahomes and in the images I have in my head of the Chiefs this season uh, fair or not they're of Taylor Swift in the box it's not like four seasons ago in Tyreek Hill down the field and Travis Kelsey and man that offense and they're just not the same I you know they're Kelsey's dropping passes Mahomes has fewer places to go with the ball the shine is off they're you know they had six losses in the regular season. Um, you know, they looked way better than the Dolphins in the wild card round. But I just think Buffalo's sitting, waiting at home. This is the game that Buffalo's been waiting for. And I'm like you. I don't like betting against best player, best coach. You know, and it's why, um, you know, you probably, I wouldn't probably pick Houston to win that game outright against the Ravens. I think uh, Jim Harbaugh, or excuse me, John Harbaugh is a really good coach, and I think Lamar Jackson's a really good player. I, you know, I just I I can't see that happening, but um, I like Buffalo as well, and I think the pick there is Buffalo, and I you might as well lay the two and a half because I think they win by a field goal or more. And, 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 and changing of the guard. Yeah, it's like we've talked about a lot of pressures on Buffalo. I think they know if if they don't get it now, they're never going to get it. So it's going to be a lot of inspiration to play in this one. 
All right. Which is your best bet? Best bet that you felt of all the games we talked about? Uh, I, I actually think it's Buffalo minus two and a half. I think that's my favorite bet of the weekend. I think they're going to get this job done. Buffalo minus two and a half. All right. We're, that's your five-star pick. All right. The five at five is coming up. Anna's going to pop in the studio. She'll do the five at five. Uh, we'll talk more in the five o'clock hour. <laughs> We interrupt this broadcast with a special announcement from the Bald Face hey, Truth. Sorry to interrupt the podcast, but if you want to listen to more of the Bald Face Truth Radio Show, including more of this segment that you're listening to, make sure you subscribe on SoundCloud and iTunes to the Bald Face Truth Radio Show. Thanks for listening.